This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back to the Oak Road Hatter podcast and today I'll be hosting the Oak Road Hatter Awards. I'm Billy Mully, I'm here with Dylan Bundia and Stephen Day. Lads, it's finally a chance to reflect back on the season on a whole, give some awards out and, and generally just have a chat about the season and, and some of its best bits really. Dylan, first of all mate, how are you getting on today? Yeah, great, great. Awards, no football, off-season, what do you do with your life? But um but no, no, it's good, it's good. Well, six weeks until we start again, it's mental. I saw a tweet at the championship starts in a few weeks. It just doesn't seem like doesn't seem like we we finished at all like until a week ago. But yeah, no, excited for next season and, and hopefully reflect on this season. Yeah, as you say, the the season starts very early in, in July this season. Like I can't wait for that. What about yourself, Steve? Now you're getting on today. Not too bad, not too bad, you. Yeah, not too bad. Well, we've got some connectivity issues, but I'm sure we'll plough through them. It, it makes a change. There's there's nothing really going on during this off-season, so at least I can stress over trying to put this podcast together. It gives me something else to do, I'm sure. As I said, we've got some awards to give out this afternoon. We've, we've got seven in total. We've got Player of the Season, Young Player of the Season, Signing of the Season, Most Improved Player of the Season, Goal of the Season, match of the season and away date of the season. We're, well, I say the two of you are going to give your views on them. I'll probably chip in at some points as well to give uh, give my take. And I think the nature of the awards means that there's going to be a few ones that are quite personal to people, given that, you know, um, away day of the season, not all of us went to the same away days and, and that kind of that kind of carry on. So, yeah, I'm sure we're going to get some varied answers and some uh, decent bits of rationale to go with it. So, Dylan, first of all, I'll start with you. 
who's your player of the season? I hesitate to do this. And, and a few weeks ago, I would have absolutely raved about this player. But it, no matter what's happened over the last few weeks, Naismith was our player of the season. He, he was from first game to last game, he was consistently fantastic in every area and crucial to what we did. Now, I never thought finishing the season that saying that would hurt, but it does because he's not here anymore, um, which is tough and we, we're going to have to replace him and that's going to be really t- difficult. But Naismith was was our best player of the season. He was absolutely fantastic all year round. Um, played in holding mid, left of the three, middle of the three, started off playing centre back in a four and just did it brilliantly all the time. So yeah, um, Naismith was my player of the season and wish him all the best at Bristol City. Stephen, are you on the same page there? Are you, you team Cal Naismith for player of the season award? I was, but then I had a, more of a think about it, and you know, I was like, you know what? <clears throat> I think James Bree has been our player of the season for me. Um, I think the the um, stats show that he, he played the most amount of minutes for us this season, um, which shows just how good he's been. Um, yeah, I think I think just his consistency, the way he improved his game from the start of the season to I think it was around about October, November time when it really when he really kicked on. And I think it was that Fulham game where he put that um, cross in for Adebayo from a free kick. I was like, you know, telling telling the Lugans, I was like, this is what I can do. Um, yeah, I think just from then on, we we missed him when he was injured as well. And I think, yeah, he was player of the season for me. Yeah, two two very good calls. I think um, I would just about side with, with Dylan there, with, with Cal Naismith, just general impact, versatility, ball-carrying abilities that's going to be very, very difficult to replace, as, as Dylan's article looked at the, the other day within our budget. And um yeah, a very, very good player. We do wish him the best, of course, but we wish at the same time he was starting the 2022-23 season with us. But unfortunately, Bristol City get that. that Young player of the season, we're going to go on to next and we categorise this as, as 24 or under. I think I would have gone 23 or under, but um, we, don't, we haven't had too many players sort of under our age bracket and we wanted to make it a little bit more competitive. So I'll flip things round and start with you, Stephen, for this one. I think Alan Campbell, just because the age bracket is, is 23 years old. Um, he has been the young player of the season because he's just been so good. Um, it's mental to think that he is only 23 years old. I think he joined us when he was 22 as well. Um, so, yeah, it's just mental to think that he's that young and he's already such a good player. Um, yeah, so he's he's my young player of the season. As you say, it's really exciting that he's still only 23 years old. Um, obviously, got him when he's 22. Um, you know, you think of how rapidly he's improved technically and met the demands of the championship. You know, just how important is he going to be next year, Stephen? So important. Um, I think it's the sort of player that we've got to try and build the uh, midfield around as well because he's just he is that good. Um, and providing that no one comes in with a stupid offer for him now. Um, I think he's going to be one of our most important players next season. Yeah, 100% one I agree with. Dylan, you're making it three out of three there for, for Alan Campbell. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you wouldn't think he's 23. I mean, the way he plays, and he doesn't look like a 23-year-old. I'm sorry, Alan, but what he just doesn't play like a 23-year-old, but he's 
he's just magnificent. He, he has those that kind of Kevin Nichols vibe about him. The way he just covers ground is insane, and his improvement throughout the season was fantastic as well. Um, so yeah, Campbell for me, and at 23 years old, what an asset to have at the club, what a player. And as Stephen said, someone to build the midfield around next year because he's just going to get better and better and better. I mean, there's a strong chance moving on to signing of the season that, that it could get a little bit similar here. If it is that, if it is the case that it might get a little bit similar, I, I think we'll probably um, offer out a deputy option here. So, um, Dylan, we'll, we'll start with you. If yours is Alan Campbell, then then fair enough. But we'll also get a deputy option from you. Yeah, I think think Campbell's definitely the signing of the season. Um, but as a as a kind of deputy. I'd probably go for it's a toss up between Reese Burke and Amari Bell for me. Um, I think I think Amari Bell, the number of minutes he played for someone in his career who has had so many injury problems for such a long time to play the minutes he did every single week, left wing back, the most physically demanding position on the pitch is outstanding. Um, I think he was fantastic all year, and Reese Burke really improved in the second half of the season. So gun to my head I'd probably say Reese Burke just about pips it because I think the ball carrying he brings from the back is so rare and so important and and to get a player like him on a free transfer is is unbelievable and he deservedly started in the playoffs over Tom Lockyer um so I'd just about say for a deputy of signing the season Reese Burke but but only marginally ahead of Amari Bell who I thought was absolutely phenomenal all year as well same for you, Stephen. You kind of between those two, but you still with Alan Campbell for the signing of the season. Oh, Alan Campbell, hundred percent. Like there's, <clears throat> there's almost just no question to it, just because he has been that good, as we said multiple times in the last five minutes. And I think, yeah, go going with like the deputy side. I, part of me was thinking, because um, I completely forgot about Bell and Burke. I, it seems like they've been in the squad for longer than. They seem like they've been in the squad the same amount of time as Cal Naismith, really, if that makes sense. Like it seems like they've been here longer than what they have. <clears throat> um Yeah, I I'd say I'll probably go with Dylan's Reese Burke just because yeah, it, it, he has been brilliant and I think well I I got nothing else to add to that really. I, I think just yeah, I'd go Alan Campbell, Reese Burke, Amari Bell. Yeah, yeah, so it's a good one because there has been so many options. Um, well, I say options, and Campbell seems to be that that sort of level above. But just beyond that, you, you look at the impact that that Cameron Jerome's had as well. Um, even Henry Lansbury for large chunks of the season, there has been some some really, really strong additions. And again, how many times do we say this on this podcast? Credit to the recruitment team because they continue. To, you know, they just continue to find these gems that, that go on and succeed with Luton. So, yes, a, a very, very um, a difficult one in terms of uh, labelling. Well, you have to put here that Reese Burke and Amari Bell have to miss out on this, the sack and that's just because of how good Alan Campbell has been. I think we might start to see uh, some varying answers now. Most improved player of the season. I think we're starting to get into that that sort of territory where... You know, we, we could all have different different uh, opinions here. So, Dylan, I'll come to you first. Where are you going with most improved? I was half tempted to say Hilton. But 
but the biggest question with Hilton was, was he already a championship striker and is he just showing what he could always do and been injured? Because according to Nathan Jones, yeah, he's always been a championship striker. So uh, I'll go with, I'm going to go with Gabby Osho. Um, I think it was absolutely, de- I was absolutely devastated to see him get injured um, just be, by being overplayed because we had so many injuries he had to play. Um, but I think in those games against Swansea in the middle of the back three, against Chelsea in front of the back three, he was phenomenal. And I, I saw so much development throughout the season and the Gabby Osho that played in the opening games against Peterborough and West Brom was a very different, and Bournemouth, sorry, um, as well, where, you know, NJ basically said, and he was a little bit at fault for one of the goals, to then putting in the, the way he played against Chelsea and, and Swansea and, and, and Borough until he went off. He was fantastic. Um, and I think he's improved so much. And I'm absolutely gutted for him that he got such a bad ham- hamstring injury you know, towards the back end of the season, um, because he was he was playing so well, and I think he's going to be someone who's so important and versatile for us next season. He's played left wing back as well, or right wing back against Swansea. It's bonkers how many positions the guy's played, and and he's developed so much this season. And I think he might have just dropped off people's radar a little bit because he got injured, um, but hopefully he comes back nice and strong for pre season and and hits the ground running because the improvement that I saw in him throughout the se- uh, throughout the season was just fantastic I think what you said there Dylan about dropping off people's radar I think that's definitely applied to me I think if Osho continued um, if he wasn't injured and he continued at the rate he was progressing I definitely definitely would have gone there Stephen before I say mine I'll I'll come to you for your most improved player of the season see I I put down Bree for it because again it he didn't start. Well, he, he did start off strong, but then there was that you know a teeny blip where fans are on his back, and after that, I think that really pushed him on to get better and better. But I'm actually going to change it to Harry Cornick just because last season the the goals that he you know he scored what two one in like the last one yeah one um in the last what two games I think it was um yeah um. I mean, this season, his form has just been brilliant. That performance away at Millwall, the things that he's done, like how the, the, the goal away at Swansea as well. Um, he's just been he's just been brilliant. He's been absolutely brilliant. And I think to go from one goal last season to the goals that he's gone to this season, it's just showed that he's, he's really kicked on and made it, you know, made himself the sort of attacking footballer we, we knew he was going to be or were hoping he was going to be. Because obviously last season there was that worry. Um, so yeah, I'd say Harry Cornick. Very good call. Yeah, two two very good calls there. I I was close to Cornick as well, but I've gone the sort of the reverse of what you've done, Stephen. I've gone for James Bree, given you know at the start of the season he was a little bit of a scapegoat. Um, people are thinking that Kyoso deserved to start over him, and you know he's just gone on to prove um, he's, he's probably. Uh, arguably now with with Naismith gone, the most important player in, in in the squad, probably the first name on the team sheet. Given you know the progressive abilities he's got um, going forward defensively, everything about James Bree now it just seems to be at a very very high level, consistently high level as well. Which I think is that is the main thing he has displayed. What he's we'll say it even before he has been able to display what he can do. It's just finding that consistency factor that I think now has taken him to a new level and 
we'll go now to goal of the season. Again, probably something that there's quite um, personal, um, I guess, if you've seen it on the TV compared to, to in real life. It could, could change your, your opinions here. So, Stephen, what's your goal of the season? I think me and Dylan are going to have the same goal of the season. <clears throat> if, if he's if he's going to choose the one I'm thinking of. Uh, Barry and Equaliser away at Blackburn. Just just the, the sheer joy that brought, like the and the way we played it as well, like the the long ball over the top, Jerome knocking it down just into the middle of the box and Barry running in and doing what he does best. Like I just it it was just magical. And yeah, I think for me that was that was the uh that was that was my goal of the season. Yeah, as we said with Barry before, just the intelligent movement for both of those goals. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely up there. Um, given sort of the chaotic scenes afterwards, unfortunately, I wasn't there, which probably um, it's why it's not mine. But Dylan uh, Stevens says it might be yours, but are you going to disappoint him and go elsewhere? I am. I, I think I've, I've approached this a bit differently. So yeah, I mean, the limbs after the Barry goal. I mean, yeah, that that's worthy of of the goal of the season for an enjoyment point of view, but. I guess I've looked at it more like just from a technique point of view. And, and I think there were two that really stood out for me. Um, Elijah's one against Borough. I think that's underrated. The, the little touches in the in, in the box to then double nutmeg. I mean, technically, that was amazing. But for me, the Breeze free kick. I mean, what a free kick. To get, the, to get that, that pace and dip from that distance, it wasn't that far out. So to get that height, to get it up and down with that pace that he put on it, the keeper didn't even move. I mean, the technique on that free kick was ridiculous. So I think Bree's free kick just about pips it for me. But Elijah's one against Borough was was absolutely fantastic as well. Yeah, well, that free kick was, was special. Um, I forgot who it was, but the, the guy at uh, Soccer Saturday described it as the best free kick he'd seen if it hadn't have taken a nick. And then he watched it again, realised it hadn't and, and still claimed that it was the best, best free kick he'd ever seen. So I think, yeah. Terms of standard, you don't get too much, too much better than that. I noticed you both avoided um, a, a certain goal. Um, I have to to remind you, Cal Naismith's winner. I'm going to go for that one, and I know he's gone. I know um, we're not going to have Cal Naismith again, but it was technique and limbs. I think it combines what you you've both said there. Um, Stephen going for more limbs. Dylan going for, for more technique. I think it's one that, that combined them both. Um, might not be the most popular of choices now, but I just think that, that everything about that goal was top, top quality. I think, um, I, I think for me, like it's not just the limbs for the Berry goal. It was the fact that we were dead and buried at, at 2-0. And it was, what, the 70th minute, around 65th, 70th minute that Berry scored the first one. Um, and... It just, honestly, it felt like one of those away games or one of those games where we just rolled over and we weren't going to do anything. And to have had that disappointment and like disappointment in the in the performance to then end the game like that, I think it's just that's why it kind of means a lot to me. It was, it was just like it was like oh, we travelled all this way to watch Luton just roll over, and then suddenly we just pull it out of nowhere. And I think that was like it just kind of showed like what we could do this season as well. And so yeah, it wasn't just Lim's point of view, it was like the actual like the way we did it as well. 
yeah, I get that. The meaning of it as well is, is just important as the limbs. It's definitely uh, sort of a pivotal moment as well, um, you could argue, with, with terms of the spirit within the camp. Um, we'll go on to match of the season. Um, some very, very strong candidates for this one. But Dylan, I'll come to you first for yours. Listen, I think I think well, I'd be surprised if all three of us didn't say Bournemouth because that was insane. Um, we should just call this podcast episode "Limbs" because it seems like we're just that's that's what we're judging it from. But yeah, no, that, that was an insane game. Um, if I could throw in a second one, it'd be Coventry at home um, when we beat them five 0 We were six, what six games, six games without a win, and playing against Coventry, who were second, I think, at the time and were absolutely flying and hadn't lost a game or. Had basically won. I think they'd won seven, drawn one, lost zero, or something. But I think they just it was beaten, something crazy like that. That's where they just beaten Fulham as well. Yes, they had. They just beaten Fulham, and then we went out and beaten five nil at home, with without being disrespectful to anyone. With you know Glenn Ray holding mid, who was absolutely unbelievable that day. Um, so I think in terms of performance, that was that was absolutely incredible. Um, but in terms of an overall game, an overall game that had a great performance, but great feeling as well. Bournemouth just about pips that, but the Cov home game was was phenomenal as well, just with the context of it. What about you, Stephen? I've, yeah, I put down the Coventry home game just because it just blew them away. It was so unexpected, like just... As as Dylan just said, like we just didn't expect to go right at holding midfield, bossed it. Like it was just it was just a brilliant game and I just I couldn't I couldn't quite believe that we'd done that. Having like lost five nil to Birmingham a few months before, I was like, there's no way we're gonna beat anyone like this this season. And then we did. It was just it was just brilliant and I mean that was my like my match of the season, just because of how bloody brilliantly we performed. Yeah, yeah, fully deserving for all five goals as well. We really, really did take it to them. Just everything about that game. Again, a little bit of a pivotal one where you actually started to think, what could we do this season? Um, yeah, I'd have to agree with, with Coventry. Um, yeah, as I don't really need to add much more, but uh, both of you have, have really said it. The other game I'd probably throw in there, not as good, but I think it deserves a bit of a special mention, was Millwall away. Um we just don't go to London and win. So to do it like that at Millwall, at the Den, um, to win as convincingly, Cornick scoring two, looking unplayable, to, to manage the game as well we as well as we did, to limit them as, as much as we did, um, to frustrate their fans as much as we did. So it was just it was just a perfect, perfect away day. But yeah, I don't think you can argue with, with Coventry at home. It was one of those games that I think will live long in the memory. We'll now go to the away day of the season. And again, this is going to be very, very personal. Dylan said before it's going to be hard to judge because there's so many different factors to, to pack all into this decision. So um, giving him even less time to prepare, I'll ask you first, Dylan. I would have said Millwall, but I wasn't there. Um, so for me, just because of the way the game ended... Um, I'm going to say Bristol City. Um, it was a it was it was a rubbish. Oh no, it wasn't a rubbish game. We absolutely battered them. Um, but it was an overall away day. Good good dinner beforehand. Nice nice burger in town. Um, pub was pub was good. 
Um, and then I remember we were in the pub and, and we saw Hilton was on the bench. And it's very easy to forget, but at the start of the season, the idea of Hilton being in the squad was just, you know, we kind of, I think everyone assumed that he just couldn't get a move in the summer and, and wanted to stick around. So for him to be on the bench was a big deal when we were all singing, you know, Hilton scores were on the pitch or something like that. And then, uh, and then Hilton, Danny came on and got his first championship goal in the 91st minute. We got a point. Um, and yeah, and the limbs at the end were, were great. So yeah, I think as an overall match day, Bristol City was was great just because especially of the, the added Hilton factor, which which kind of was decisive for me in, in this choice. And Stephen, what about yourself, mate? Are you are you uh, any of these two games? Are you plucking something else out the air? Um, half and half, really. I, I can't choose between two, and that's that's Millwall away and Swansea away. And Millwall, just because like it was in sort of, the sort of away day that I dreamed of growing up as a Luton fan, like going to some sort of you know dodgy game, like you know Millwall being Millwall. It was you know, a bit bit of a, a ropey one thinking about it. But in reality, the pub beforehand was brilliant. The game was brilliant. The banter with their fans was brilliant. Like outside the game before and afterwards, there was no trouble. There was no, there was no threat of trouble. Like it was just, we're just having banter. And it was like how an away day should be for me. And, and that was just, it was brilliant. And then um, I think a lot of people have like forgotten a little bit this, this season that there was, a guy that was in the pub beforehand down Millwall away um, that were like hanging out with us that ended up passing away the morning after. And I like, I'll just never forget that. Like, you know, the joy us lot were having around that table. Um, and then like this, these other guys having, you know, having a, a good time with us as well. And then it just turned out that one of them passed away like the morning after and his last day was, Millwall away and then going out drinking with his mates afterwards in London like I'm I'm happy that he got that sort of day but it just kind of like you know that'll always just stick with me that we kind of shared that with that guy that ended up passing away and I've forgotten his name unfortunately but yeah and I just I'm I'm happy that he got like such a good day beforehand and then on on like a selfish side of it like I, I can't choose between them because Swansea away was brilliant my first like long away day on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night, I think it was, can't remember. Um, going on the Bobbers, which was an experience. It's my first time going on the Bobbers in a few years and it was an experience. No legroom. Me and me and Jamie with absolutely no legroom squashed together. And then for Harry Cornick to score the way he did and just the the way it felt, like thinking oh, it's, a, it's a Wales away day, we're going to lose. Like we won. It was a Tuesday night away from home as well, and it was just, it was just brilliant. And I think that that it was one of those ones where you just felt like it had that sort of feeling. Art was like, this is a brilliant, brilliant season, and yeah. And I just, I can't, I can't split the two. That is all from us today. Let us know your thoughts for the awards discussed on this podcast. Has there been any howlers from any of us? Stay tuned because we still have our quiz coming over the next few days. We also will be talking transfers, so keep an eye out for those next couple of episodes. But until then, it is bye from us. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.